content and come here and just share what their journey's been like and hopefully it'll inspire some of you uh, you'll connect with it hopefully learn a little bit and we did this app session at the Birmingham conference we had a church planner from urban New York a church planner from urban San Francisco and a church planner from a small uh, small town in the south but also an urban church plant and it's, it's always hard to plant a church but some places are a little bit harder than others and some people are just a little bit uh, harder to reach. Sometimes they're just a little bit harder to crack, okay? And, uh, and so these guys have done that. They've done a really, really uh, great job. And so I'm going to turn over to them and let them uh, just dive into that. We are so hard to have Pastor Peter and Carolyn Haas facilitating for us. Y'all can give them a hand. And uh, so I'm just going to let them take it away, and I'll come back and wrap it up, and we're finished. All right. Well, you guys, I, I, we're going to keep you excited in this session because I know come on 3 o'clock, yeah. one second day of art. Nobody ever, I like my voice is almost getting hoarse. Anyway, so my wife and I, this is my wife Carolyn over here, um, we planted Substance a little over 14 years ago. And uh, we're right in downtown Minneapolis, right in the skyline. And uh, which is kind of a unique story all by itself. But uh, actually, it's not our it's not our first uh, senior pastor either. Uh, we actually took over. It was about a thousand member church in rural Wisconsin, and uh, that was our first senior pastor. We were there for about ten years, and that was a hard place for completely different reasons. Then it's almost like we were just bent on extremes, and so we went from one extreme to the next. And uh, of course, uh, my my wife and I. So we, we spent all of our time uh, pastoring, taking over that other church, which is a totally different beast than planting. And then we planted with the ark. We were church plant number fifteen in the ark. And so we literally were. Uh, so we have a number, and we celebrate that number. And actually, uh, do you guys remember your numbers? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Never you get, Never give me a number. I was never but you're, you're there, like, we forgot counting. Yeah, we do count. We count. We literally, again, 803 churches. Yeah. 803 churches this last weekend. And so, um, no, it, so it, it does matter. And, of course, you know, one of the things that I've, I've done even in the ARC, when they asked me to join the ARC lead team, is I've just kind of traveled the world and helped um, incite these movements. And so I, I've spent a lot of time... In, in random places from China, I spent a lot of time in between Shanghai and Beijing helping plant churches. I've spent a lot of time in the, in the Middle East planting churches. Um, I've done a lot with ARC Ireland and uh, done a lot with movement creation in England. And it's really fresh for me to kind of hear what are the problems that everybody else is dealing with um, when it comes to our churches, when it comes to planting. And there's these, there's in urban context, there's the, the ultra urban, you're, you're either dealing with, with poverty or you're dealing with um, people that are wealthy and don't give a single cent of it, you know what I'm saying? Or then in rural context, it's the complete opposite. Uh, but in all of these contexts, there is some church that is overcoming. 
And I think that's important for us to point out that in almost everywhere I go, in every single city where there's a church planter's graveyard, there's, a, there's usually a, a church that has defied the odds. I know of churches of 2,000 members in cities that only have 4,000 population, okay? I, like, people have these barriers in their head of what they think is possible, and, and so I, I hope that we can break some of those barriers today. Um, when I planted in Minneapolis, we planted in an ultra- youthful section of the city. So in our city, uh, it's about three and a half million um, people. And um, in the Twin Cities, it's very, very youthful. And so 64% of the Twin Cities is under 34. And so it's really a city of universities. We are in the middle of 16 universities. And, and so like, you know, even when we were recruiting a church, it felt like a youth ministry on Sunday morning because, you know, even all these young uh, adults with their kids checked into the kids ministry, they all look like college students and so, you know, I mean, we had to almost beg anybody over 30. In fact, I just had a quick tell you, so we actually had Brother Billy, the founder of our come twice to, to preach at Substance and he came, you know, the first time he was like, y'all need to hire, you need to like pay people who are over the age of 35 to <laughs> hang out in your foyer because this church is too young, there's too many young people, you know, and so like we, like when do you ever get that advice? So we literally had friends in Wisconsin that because we didn't know any older people in Twin Cities and so we literally said, we'll pay for your hotel, will you drive three hours and just come hang in our foyer? Wow. For, wow. So our first launch team that we tried to like expand demographically was to get 35 people over the age of 35 because our church was just so young People would come and say, we love your church, but, but we're too old. And so, yeah. 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 Well, and keep in mind, I was already senior pastoring a regional church that had, I mean, we had 14,000 people coming to our yearly conferences. And so it's not like I didn't have experience. But when I planted three hours away, it didn't, it didn't grow as fast as I expected. We, we had, we somehow talked about 293 people into attending our first service. And then, of course, week two, we dropped down to 149. And then week, and then it just slowly shrunk all the way for the next six months down to 64. And, and then we finally clawed our way back into the game, clawed our way back up to 102. And then we stayed at 102 was our monthly average for two years straight, okay? Literally, it would go monthly average 103. And of course, in those days, you know, we counted, we yeah. counted everybody who didn't show up that week, you know, because we knew. We, we knew, they wanted oh, to be there. we didn't in our on vacation, and so we're gonna put them on the list. And like, we were, you know, we were counting future babies, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Just to definitely. encourage ourselves. And I, I want you guys to understand, like, you know, it's okay to go through those emotions, and it, it actually took us um, several years before we popped. Um, I don't even know if it was like th- year three or four is when we finally hit a tipping point. But keep in mind, I had also pastored in a small town where our greatest growth year ever was 37. Okay, our greatest growth year ever. And I was preaching many of the same sermons, okay? So it wasn't like, um, you know, everything changed in our church plant. And yet, and then, and then we finally had those years when we did have growth. And I, but, but I want, I want to encourage you that whatever your issue is that you're sorting through, listen, there's always going to be a tension that you're going to be going through because even when we did pop and we suddenly are, are, are growing like crazy, when our church um, broke 2000 numbers, we only had 80 people giving anything. 
Okay, so um, talking about an unsustainable model, um, my nine-year-old made it into our top 100 givers list. Okay, so come back to us. So anyway, I get this letter in the mail that, you know, true, was in the top giving. You're like, oh no. <laughs> she gave her all, but that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> she gave her all. Yeah, at first I was like, where is she getting this money from? <laughs> yeah. And then I realized, oh, she didn't give that much. It's really that bad. Uh, but I, 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 the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because there's always something like that. There's, and even when we had, even when we cracked the code and figured out how to fundraise money, even when we raised, we got to the point where we raised five million dollars. But guess what? Here's the next problem: we couldn't buy property for five years. There was not a single a city in our municipality that would allow us to buy property without a lot, without it turning into a lawsuit. And I, I didn't expect that. I didn't, I didn't expect that it would be so hard to even purchase. Ground, even the even the place where we did purchase ground, they were going to require us to build a six foot wall around the entirety of our property to protect the city from us. Okay, so I, like, I, and then they would let us put a sign on our building for quite some. I mean, like ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, 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 and here's the thing that I I've, I've learned even now that we have we we now um, we expanded to four campuses and then reconsolidated. Um, into two larger ones, and we got a we got a property in downtown. Uh, just to inspire you, real quick, I want to inspire you. We we my daughter True, actually the one who gave who made it into our top givers list. Um, the Lord literally gave her a vision of a future building that God was going to give us, and she came up to me and in the middle of my discouragement, right after the eighth property we had gone after fell through. This is after spending you know fifteen twenty grand per property just to appraise it. Um, I was so discouraged, I was ready to quit. And I, I literally didn't think I had anything left in the tank. I was, I was done. And in fact, actually, I spent every day for two months telling Carolyn, we're not pastoring long um, anymore. We're not gonna be, we're, I'm not, I'm done. And I thought maybe I could just wear her down by just telling her that every single day. And I was just so discouraged. And in the midst of that, um, my daughter came up to me. She was 10 years old at the time. I've got three kids. Um, but my, my second daughter came up to me and, and said, Daddy, the Lord spoke to me that by this time next week, you're going to find a building with a balcony that is covered in red. And the Lord told me that you're going to make a decision on it by this Thursday. And, and I remember like laughing at him and being like, you got to be kidding me. Like, what? And I don't have any real estate meetings, but how's that supposed to happen? Well, sure enough, a couple days later, I walk into this historic Wesley building, this building with a balcony, and I didn't even know it was on the market, and it was covered in red, and wow. my daughter drew a picture of it, and it was identical to the I picture she drew, and, oh, and then she said, oh yeah, the Lord told me that you'll know this is the one when you look up and say, wow. And when I walked into the building, it has a gorgeous glass cupola. It's like a dome over the entire 1300-seat auditorium. And I looked up and I said, wow, and I freaked out. <laughs> I, I literally freaked out. And you have to understand, this is like a $60 million property surrounded by skyscrapers. We don't have that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, yet, and yet, just to encourage you, we just closed on that building last week. And 
We got it for $2 billion, okay? So I, I actually believe- But five and a half years after the prophetic word. So there was a bazillion obstacles, lies about us, you know, every hurdle, we had to walk away from it seven times. So- Well, and we, awesome. we've, almost, we've almost come to this point where we know that every dream has to die about nine times. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's not, the question isn't, hasn't your dream died a couple times? It's, how many times has it died, and do you still believe in it, even still? And I, I just wanted, so the reason why I'm sharing all that is because I think that all of us are at tough places, and there's always going to be a moment where you think to yourself, oh, I should have planted in the Bible Belt, right, where there's more transfer growth. Uh, but let me just say that about all of, I, I know there's a temptation to, to think that way, and yes, factually, there is five to seven times more transfer growth in, in certain areas of the United States, okay? That being said, even all the pastors I know who live in those places, they still go through all the same leadership pain at some point in their life. Yeah. The bottom line is every leader will be tested in all these areas. And so we just can't idealize things. And here's the most important thing uh, to just to set up the conversation, because I don't I don't want this to come off like a wine fest, if that makes sense. But, oh, my areas don't Okay. Um, I want it I, because here's here's what Jesus says about your region, Revelation two thirteen. Okay, Jesus said this to this church. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. Okay, first off, God knows where you live. He knows the resources you have and that you don't have. Yeah. He knows how much transfer growth is in your region. He knows how easy or hard it is, how financially difficult maybe it is for your people and your economy and all those things. He knows where you live. And, and, and first off, if you thought your city was hard, imagine planting where Satan has his throne. I'm just saying, you probably don't live there, okay? All of our cities are really tough, but none of us live where Satan has his throne. One of my good friends, one of my good friends, who lives in a country I'm not going to mention, um, just had his 2,000-member church shut down by the government. And they, he doesn't know what he's going to do. He's literally living in hiding right now. Okay, so um, I, I want to I want to share that right out of the gate just to put everything into context. <laughs> totally. Okay. Um, we are blessed, and God knows where we live. And he has appointed resources to meet us for that time of need. And so let's just take all of our needs, lay it down before the Lord, and let's just trust. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to, we're going to introduce the panel, and we're going to run through this and have some fun today, okay? So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person who is divinely appointed to be in this room today. And we just trust you. For your supernatural wisdom to fall. Lord, that your resources would fall. Lord, that, that if God has done it for these couples sitting on the stage here today, that it can happen for every couple in this room. Lord, that you have divine provision and you have empathy and you have angels that you are waiting to send out on new assignments in response to our obedience. And we just trust you for your grace and your favor to meet us here right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You agree? Amen. 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 All right. So we have some really dynamic pastors up here today. And I, and I want you guys to know it really is an honor to be able to, to serve with you guys and just kind of live out the dream of planting churches. 
And uh, I just I want to make sure that I name uh, that I get all their names right. So first off, we got Pradeepin and Amritha Jiva, and it's Kalos Church, right? Kalos. Kalos Church, Greek word. Not Kalos. Kalos. Yeah. <laughs> Soft hearts, not Kalos. That's right. That's right. That's right. And they're in Bellevue, Washington. So up there in the Northwest. And then, and then, of course, we've got Mike and Cindy Hoverson, Campus Church in Upland, California. And pastoring uh, in a small city in Rockinette. And, of course, then we have Sean and, of course, his wife, Sarah, is with him, with the Allen. They pastor Manor Church in Hawaii. <laughs> How's that for West Coast? Yes. <laughs> and, of course, I'm sure, that, I'm sure that everybody is like, oh, you must really have to serve the Lord in a painful way of Hawaii. <laughs> Um, but I guarantee you, I know it's hard, and he's going to share some of those those challenges in a second. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to start with Pradeep. Pradeep blah, 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 sorry, oh, no worries. Pradeep. And you're, you're like, no worries, right? Um, we're going to start with Pradeep, and, and we're going to like what, what I want to do is I want to start with just have you guys share maybe a couple things that are unique about your church. What. Why did the Lord uh, call you to that city? Just give us a little history. Give us a little background. All right, my name is Pradeepan, and uh, we planted in Bellevue a year ago, and I was pastoring in Michigan. We had a young, youth and young adults ministry, and we were a church on a dirt road in between an apple orchard and a Christmas tree farm, and uh, there's a lot of Norwegians. If you haven't gathered, I am not Norwegian. Uh, you aren't either. So we were the diversity, and uh, as we were praying and fasting about planting a church, we just felt like the Lord was calling us to plant this phrase came in our heart to plant a beautiful church in a beautiful place. So Kalos means beautiful in Greek. It's mm-hmm. poorly pronounced Greek, but it is yes. Greek. <laughs> and uh, so we started to pray and fast. We thought it would be Florida. Visited Florida. Didn't feel right about it as soon as we got off the plane. Prayed and fasted. And then I had a dream in the middle of the night. And in that dream, wow. part of it was in French. And I, we had to get it like translated. But eventually someone told us all the places not to plant and told us to specifically plant in this area called Bellevue, a city we had never heard of in the dream. Wow. Yeah. And so she Google Maps it. Yeah. Why don't you tell this us? This is a real that? spiritual moment. I was like, we're dying to figure out where we're supposed to plant. So I Google it because I'm like, this is French. You know, we don't know whatever. And so then we look <laughs> and we realize that it's in Washington, that it's in Seattle, Washington, which was really like so expensive for us. Like all of our networks are actually pretty well connected all in the Midwest. We're like smiley brown people from the Midwest. And, and, we and in like, Michigan, we actually looked at a house to buy for $6,000. Yes. <laughs> and Bellevue, sorry. We were totally used yeah. to the Midwest. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. So anyway, we go scout out, uh, or pretty big goes and scouts out uh, Seattle, Bellevue. We scouted out. We used to feel like that's where God wants us, but it did. It was the most illogical place for us. And we just felt like we needed to be obedient to that. And so uh, September 17, 2017, we launched in a comedy club in downtown Bellevue. It's called The Parlor. Uh, and we are still there today. We launched with over 234 people, 34 people. And uh, we just celebrated our first birthday two weeks ago and launched two services. So God is But, you know, we were used to Michigan in the Midwest. Like I was saying, we... 
looked at a house for $6,000 in Bellevue. That's like your coffee budget for the year. Yeah. And uh, it was just crazy. I mean, it was in a dangerous part of Michigan near Flint. We would have uh, we would have died, gotten murdered, but we would have died homeowners. And uh, that dream has died a little bit. Uh, but just for a little bit of context, we had this dream. We were sent by our church. We had been praying, fasting. Uh, we wanted to do our social social interest party, our first one. We went through the art process. And our first meeting, you know, with the dream, the prayer, the people supporting us, uh, three people came to it. <laughs> and that was, our, that was our big thing. And then our second meeting, glory to God, we had 67% increase. Five people showed up. Wow. <laughs> it sounds better when you use. <laughs> I wasn't even at the first one. Yeah, she's busy. <laughs> she's busy. But then, uh, you know, we just, we started believing God, changing strategies, and running the art playbook, and uh, our third meeting, 65 people showed up, and then we were able to gather a launch team of 50, and then uh, we had 234 people come to our first service a year ago, but we've only lived there like a year and four months, and so it was a total miracle story in a hard area, but running the playbook from ARC really helped us launch well. That's incredible. <laughs> oh, no, go ahead. Good? Okay. Um, I would have to say that our, our story is not quite as, uh, um, this doesn't involve a dream at all, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but what, it, what it, well, actually, that's not true. It's a big dream. But um, what it does involve is it involves God putting pieces in place before we even knew what was happening. Um, yeah, if I go back and I, talk, I, I begin to, you, when you look back, it's so cool to be able to look back and go, and go, oh my gosh, that's why that happened two yeah. years ago. Right. And you see the progression of God putting you in places and putting you in places. And, and when, we, when we decided to do that, when God called us to do this, it was like, it was very um, natural, I guess you could say, just because he had lined up our, our house, he had lined up. Are where, where my son goes to school. He had lined up all these things. And I was like, why is all of this happening? Because where we lived before we moved, let's go back a little bit farther, where we moved, where we lived before we moved, it was far to get to, every, it was farther to get to his school. It was farther to get to everywhere, everything we were trying to be involved in. And God moved us to a place to where we were very close to where we launched. And it, it, the way that that worked out was, was amazing. Um, and if I, I could, we could tell you story after story after story after story. And we, um, we went through a crazy thing at a, at a church we had left. And, and, and uh, people were coming to us going, hey, you know, what do you think about this? And we're like, no, we're going to, that's not what we're doing right now. We're not doing that right now. And about just starting a church. And, and, and then God just began to line up these things. And we, I, I, the story would take about three hours, honestly, because to explain everything that went on, it would be, it, it's amazing. And what we see from the fruit of that is launching in a school. And it even comes down to the building that we, that we wanted to rent, that we wanted to get involved in. And we looked at it and we were praying over it and people are driving by and we're posting it on social media. And we're like, yeah, this is where we want to be. This is where we want to be. And it was just like, no, 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 no. You can't be there. You can't be there. And we're like, we can just pray a little harder and God will give us the building and no problem. And then there, we were there. We were all together one Sunday and, and we kind of 
leaned over and looked down the side of the building across the field, and that's actually the building that we're in. So we were just kind of off just a little bit, you know what I mean? So, and, and we went to that building, and the, we went, it's a junior high, and we went to that junior high, and the, the, uh, the principal is a Christian, and he loves the Lord, and he serves at his church, and he's like, oh, yeah, it'd be so great. And we've been able, yeah, we've been able to do so many things with that school and so many things in that community. It's just been really fun. So. Praise God. Yeah. The thing that I want to share is that two years ago, exactly right now, we were, like some of you guys, we came here, and mm-hmm. we weren't really sure if we were going to plant a church. We heard about ARC about a month before we came. Wow. We didn't know anything about it, um, wow. and so it was. It was kind of like when we came. It was so like wow. Like right when we showed up, it was like these people. This is like who we are. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, totally. We had like yeah. we've been in ministry for about um, twenty four years, and I think we've been trying. We we're trying, trying to find people that were like us. You know, <laughs> the, you know, maybe a little crazy. You know, <laughs> yeah. always tell us. You know, you guys are so out of the box, and you guys are like kind of on the edge, and we're like yes, you know, and you know, kind of living dangerously. You know, and that's kind of like who we are. And we were in youth ministry um, for all that time. We love teenagers, love students, love. We're never gonna leave. <laughs> and we we kind of for a long time would always say you know senior pastors are just sellouts you know and um, and so never ever thinking that we would ever um, have a church or anything like that and um, and so it's kind of you know our friends have come back to us and said oh no you guys you yeah. know but it's been fun and I think that we as we've gone along like we've just seen God move over and over and over again and if I go back to that moment two years ago we went like three weeks later to the training um, and we didn't really know what we were getting into and they said yes go for it and um, uh, Scott Hornsby ended up being our person that um, did our assessment and everything and we were excited because we really felt that so we Found out about ARC in um, September, went to the, or September or October. We went in November to get the training and all of that. And then we looked at Scott Hornsby at the end and we said, he goes, well, are you guys ready? What do you guys think? And we're like, well, we don't know. What do you think? And he said, well, what do you feel like God's laying on your heart? We said, well, we feel like God's calling us to launch February 26th. 2017, which was um, like three and a half months later, and um, we wow. didn't have any people and we didn't have any money. Wow! And so we were just believing that God wanted to do this, and so um, we were just in a in a class, and they had said that you have to wait a year to launch, and so we were like, oh, I guess not. And then we go meet with Scott. He's like, go for it. And so, um, which he was the perfect person for us because that's kind of like who we are and how we've always done ministry is just right out front, right on the edge, and kind of risk it all and so in that in those three months I mean the people that God brought I mean it was up until the last hour that we had to have our money our people and everything and yes we were counting everybody pregnant I mean we were talking about was a teenager like did they qualify as your 35 and so we were like well 17 year old and are they closer to 18 and so can they be on the list those were our kind of conversations so I just want to encourage everybody that it's like do the dream man it's like it has been such a roller coaster for us we sometimes we come home from church and we lay on the couch and like one of us is in tears and the other person's like we got this we can do it and then the next week it's the other person and sometimes we come home and we're just like man this is so great and so 
we just people always go, "How's it going?" We're like, "We're we're living on that roller coaster and loving living it." Living the dream. Yep. Awesome. So yeah, it's awesome. Come on, awesome. come on. Awesome. So I'm Sean. Uh, yes, we planted on Oahu. Uh, we, we don't have an official ARC number, but we are the first ARC church plant in Hawaii. So that is, uh, that's right. Number, um, but. And that was honestly one of the things that made this a little difficult because this is a brand new model coming into a state that holds very long to traditions. And so we had a lot of mindsets. Um, I grew up in Hawaii. I played football at the University of Hawaii. Uh, didn't get drafted over the NFL. And so I really felt called to, uh, I got saved in college. I grew up in a church family, kind of an anti-church family, honestly. Like when I came to faith, there was an awful lot. Like my dad looked at me and I said, you're not the son of a I can't believe you're putting a faith in a God you can't see. Um, mm-hmm. Mom's not ruining my life and all that. And so God saved. It was a pretty radical turnaround. So kind of began to serve God in college and got a great platform. Felt him tell me to keep playing football professionally. So I started playing arena football. Ended up in Seattle, just outside of Seattle. Um, and they got a call from the GM. Said, I need you in my office. So what's up? He said, you're getting traded to uh, this team called the Fable Guard. I said, well, where's Fable? I said, we have no idea. But they want you. They've been calling all the you know, last few days. And so we're going to send you there. Uh, they'll get your plane ticket tonight. So I ended up in North Carolina, which is right by Fort Bragg. It's basically a different country from where I'm from. Uh, and uh, I could not stand it, hated it, uh, but knew I was called to you know, use football as a platform for new ministry. That was always my heart. Um, and I'd even done a six-month seminary internship with Fuller just to get better equipped to utilize that. And really my heart was to use the platform to help plant churches. I never thought I was going to be a church planter just to help undergird church because I knew the platform that I had. And so ended up in the city, got connected with a pastor named Michael Fletcher. Uh, it's called Mana Church, and uh, it's over there. And great church in the city. Just had a vision to start doing campus ministry, which is what I was trained in specifically, really taking the gospel to where youth are, which is at school, public schools particularly, college campuses and all that. And so they were just launched the vision. I kind of began to volunteer with that, uh, joined his staff, you know, first job of ministry, you're working for free. Um, and so it's all vision, baby. But served there, and then I was there 10 years as a student ministry pastor, and then we really felt like we would lose over 1,000 people a year, often over 1,200 people a year due to military transfer. Wow. Um, and they would always go to the same places, and they'd always call back and say, is there a church like Manna here? Mm. And so we just finally got so tired of that, having to, you know, you're losing 40% of your church sometimes, 40% of your leaders sometimes, on a, you know, it just gets tiring. And so God just spoke to me and said, I'm tired of, of losing everybody. Let's, let's send people to us. And so he, he gathered pastors and wives, and he said, guys, here, here's going to be the next 10 years of our focus. We're going to plant churches along what we call the military highway. And uh, we had a few key places already in, in position. He said, we're going to be same name, same logo, same growth track, but independent churches so you can be free to reach your area. Uh, we'll be family. Like, this is family. Wow. And so... And so we said, you know, first guy was in, in, in the running. He planted in West Florida through ARC. Every, every, he said, yeah. everyone who does this is going through ARC, by the way. Yeah. Um, if you're considering planting a church, you're an absolute fool if you don't go through ARC. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I'll just get that out there. Um, that's, not, that's not these guys saying it. That's, that's us saying it. Um, and so uh, you, met, you launched in a comedy club. Yeah. We got sent out because of a joke. So we had <laughs> two to shoot. We had, you know, Niceville, Florida, uh, and then Colorado Springs because we have special forces is there in Fayetteville, and they all go to these three locations. And so those were the first three on the map. Um, and uh, I kind of joked and I said, well, Hawaii's got every major, you know, every branch has a major installation on Oahu, you know. And so he jokes back, well, you should go. 
my wife looks at me and goes, I don't think he was joking. And uh, I said, yeah, I know he wasn't. So we started praying. <laughs> we went to the Ark Launch training uh, just, just to explore. You know, we weren't sure. And it was there that we really got that confirmation. You know, And I, I'd say the consistency here is if there's one thing you have to have, you're going to launch anywhere, but especially in a tough place. Because we've, we've seen churches close their doors. More church, more church plants close their doors in our area than stay alive. And I'd say you have to have a irrevocable call. Right? If you don't do this, you are disobeying God. Amen. You cannot survive mm-hmm. as a church planner, especially in a region. There's a reason why it's hard to reach. It's because not the people are difficult, because the spirits that, that reign in that place yeah. have not given up any ground yet. God is yeah. sending you. Yeah. That's right. You better go with a call. You better go with some backing. You better go with family. Um, I've got multiple tribes, man. i got my tribe with all the man at church guys. Yeah. I went there and got a tribe. I'm, yeah. I'm supposed to be in a meeting with them, like eight lead pastors tomorrow that I'm going to miss for flying back. But I said, I'm not going to do this. Even though I've got close relationships on the mainland, I've got to have close relationships right here with people who are trying to reach this island. Yeah, so, right, yeah. you know, fortifying yourself. But we went to the art train. We realized, you know, we had to translate some things that we were learning in Birmingham. And like we knew, you know, Pastor Chris said, you know, so we're, we'll, we'll subsidize your budget if you ever, if you, if you don't reach 12, you know, 12,500. Well, that's like a joke because that's what we pay a month for rent for a 167 seat auditorium, you know. And so it's like, okay, so we realized we needed to raise a million dollars. Um, and that wasn't something we were excited about, but it was something we knew was going to come. And my wife, as we're leaving the training, she literally said, is it wrong that I'm more nervous about Deciding what we're going to bring and what we're not going to bring, because it's hard to get to Hawaii, you know, you can't just like drive there. Then I am about raising a million dollars. And I said, no, because the money's God's job. Choosing what we bring to live with is our job. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the conviction that you really got to have. If you're gonna Come on. A hard to reach place, you've got to want, you've got to know your call. Come on. Because you, you can't be afraid of the losses. We were told that, that it's impossible to be generous in the Washington. One of our convictions, and it's our conviction, we got to be generous in our community. We've got to give stuff away. That, that, like, one of the reasons why my family was really uh, against church is because the church out there, they're known as takers, not givers. Mm. And we came in on the back end of a huge lawsuit against one of the largest churches and denominations in Hawaii where the, the, the atheist lawyers came in and basically kicked them all out of schools. And so we came in on that trying to find a venue to launch in. And wow. a lot of principals weren't excited about me asking even, hey, can we, wow. can we meet here for church? And they were freaked wow. out because the attorneys... You know, and again, the case was bogus. They would have won it, but it was getting embarrassing, so they settled. And the attorneys threatened the principals, saying, if, if, if you keep doing this, we're going to come after you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just a lot of intimidation, a lot of things. The enemy doesn't want to give up the ground. Yeah. He thinks that's it's right. Us, and that's why we're being sent in. So we knew we were called, and we knew that we would be disobeying God if we didn't go. You know, so real quick. Okay, so staying with you, though, real quick, Sean, I, I think it's interesting that um, you mentioned earlier that the facility said no 20 times. Like, unpack that a little bit yeah, more, so. because I want, I want everybody here to understand the type of battles that you may or may not face. So we were cruising along, built a launch team, it was going pretty well, um, and so we didn't have a hard time with that, but so we knew we were going to launch with over 200 um, and uh, that was a miracle in itself because that's just not heard of out there. People would say, well, why aren't you starting the rate? Because in Hawaii, again, you just get an ukulele, get like 10 people in the cafeteria, sweat it out, and make it happen. And so they kept pushing us like, why are you trying to raise all this money? Why are you trying to gather all these people? Again, mindsets 
have to be shifted and have to be changed. So I said, well, think about it. I've got three boys, three young kids. And just because we had a healthy six-month checkup does not mean we're going into labor tomorrow. And that's a new slavery tomorrow. No, we have a healthy six-month checkup. Yes. We're going to go full term because that's the greatest chance we have to deliver a healthy child. Yes. That makes sense? And so, again, yeah. it's just shifted mindsets. And, and so people were looking at us and kind of looking at us a lot. And so we, uh, one of my mentors out there, thankfully, uh, I had a great mentor out there. Uh, he's kind of been a spiritual father of me for, for many years. And he said, well, how's it going looking for a venue? I said, oh, we haven't even started yet because we got, I mean, we got, we're, we're months down. And he goes, you need to get on that because it took me, you know. And so I said, really? And so I had these, you know, like I had belief, I had prayer proclaimed that we were going to meet here and then launch our second campus here and all that. And we would drive by pray, and I couldn't even get callbacks from certain places. Yeah. I got fussed out by vice principals, like, how dare you bother us? We're busy. I'm like, Do you, did you not see the application? Like, we're going to give you a lot of money that I'm reading about you don't have. Right. And, but again, it's just the idea of a church coming in yeah. and a new church coming in. Again, I grew up there, but I've been gone for 10 years. And so I was doing things differently than had always been done. And so it ruffled feathers. And, yeah, we got told no uh, over 20 times. Um, and you talk about discouraging, and that was hard. Yeah. It's like we had all these people nowhere to go. And we actually went out of our target area. We had a huge target area. We went out of our target area, and it was when we went out of the target area that I was told of a space in our target area. Um, that again, we have a lot of military families. Pearl Harbor, the monument for Pearl Harbor, you can see it from the parking lot. Um, and so I show up there. It is the nastiest, ugliest movie theater on the island. So I never heard of it. Um, but it was the only space that would rent to us. It was only eight thousand dollars a month. Um, and so uh, we launched there. Um, and five months later, uh, no, we had, we went to two services. Like five months later, and then eight months after that, so we had a great growth spurt, and all of our growth was coming south and east. And we were forced to move twenty minutes west because the movie theater was determined they had to remodel and shrink our 200-seat auditorium to, six, uh, to 70 seats. And that just wasn't going to work for us. And so uh, we said, well, I mean, it, it took me forever to find this place. This was the only place that could rent to us. And again, it's just the grace of God. So on their own, they said, well, we've got these brand-new theaters in Kapolei, which is the second city. It's the fastest-growing area. It's the area I tried to launch in the beginning. Um, and these theaters didn't exist when I went on our launch day. And so one of the fleeces I threw out when I first met these guys was, Lord, if this is the place you want for us, have them bring up the new theaters they're going to build in Kapolei. Wow. And I thought it was going to be our second location, not knowing that was going to be the place we were going to move to. So they offered it to us. And I didn't even know that. They had said no to other churches requesting to meet them because every church is trying to get there. So, again, you got to know your call. And then you just got to trust God and don't bow to the spirit of intimidation. You know, but Sean, I want to pull a couple of things out of your story that I think are actually really profound and were harder for me to learn. But, well, real quick, did you actually make your million dollar? So, we did, but so I was wisely instructed by our, our coach. He said, look, he, he launched in Denver, which is a little more pricey. He said, look, you cannot just raise money for launch. You've got to raise money for your first three years. Like, if you're going to be in an expensive place, you've got to have yeah. 
something subsidizing it. So we he actually increased my budget to 1.4 million. So I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me, man! I kept putting it back to him. He goes, man, it's just not high enough, and you know. And so we uh, we raised a truckload, and so we're on track to actually beat our three year. I mean, our launch team stepped up huge. Um, and so again, Come in, on. In, a, in a place that they said was impossibly generous on our one year birthday. We, we do like a reach out celebration that our outreach strategy for the year, and we chose to do it on our birthday. We raised $37,000 wow. all to give away to wow. Missions and Outreach. Wow. Um, Come on. So, See, and that goes to show there may be a local culture, but there's a kingdom yeah. culture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you set the tone for that kingdom culture. Yeah. I, I want to give you a discouraging encouragement. <laughs> if I can say that. Every facility we ever met in, and we met in at least 13, I stopped counting at 13. Every facility we ever met in said no to us at least two to three times before they said yes. Okay, there was literally not a single facility, and if there's one thing that I hear on church planners, it's, it's, I didn't expect facilities to take this much of my time, and I'm always like, oh, you got to have a backup to your backup to your backup to your backup to your backup. Whatever your little ring is in terms of your target, you got to increase that ring, and you got to have 40 backups. Because let me tell you, I needed, I needed to have 40 backups because it's, it's not uncommon to have 40 people say no to you, and then you go back. And of course, I mean, we, we literally resorted to even bribery. We, we even resorted to every facility that actually said yes to us. We asked them if we could pay them an unusual large amount of money to do one event there. And then we were so awesome for that one event, and we gave everybody Target gift cards and everything like that, that by the time, at least it gave me a secondary conversation. I mean, I, literally, it was bribery that got us into most of these places. Um, but it was also just being a good guest. And I, I want you guys to have that kind of perseverance when you're going about church planting because you're going to need that and it's the same thing actually it's another level when it comes to building so just uh, just keep that keep that all in your hearts too as you guys are going about this now you are in a club like what are some of the unique challenges to being in an ultra urban environment like that i mean like a club is that harder for families to come Yes, it's very unique. And so a little bit of context. So we're in Bellevue, and the two richest people on earth live in our city. So Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, we're just praying for one tithe check. I don't care from you. Just one, Lord. Just one. And so it's a very expensive uh, area. When we moved there, uh, we learned that the church across the street, they paid $75,000 a month to lease that. And they were praising the Lord because they used to pay $150,000 a month. And so it's just a whole new mindset from trying to buy a house for $6,000 in Michigan. And so <laughs> we started looking around all these places with our, our launch team of three people. Remember our first meeting and went to hotels and went to movie theaters and nothing was really working out. Nothing seemed right. And one day walking around around 8 a.m., felt the Holy Spirit, so heard the Holy Spirit speak to us through a dream. Holy Spirit prompted us to knock on the door of this club at 8 a.m. Well, uh, by the looks of most of you, you guys know clubs don't open up at 8 a.m. And uh, so we knock on this door. Someone happens to be there. Their office is in the way back. Happens to be there. They open up the door, and they go, why are you here at 8 a.m.? And we're like, the Holy Spirit prompted us. <laughs> 
<laughs> we just say, hey, we're, we're wanting to start a church. We want to make known the beauty of Jesus in tangible ways. Um, and we're interested in hosting that here. Would you be interested? And uh, this lady, long story short, she said, I'm going to make this happen for you for $500 a week. And you can use all of our equipment. And this is like a nice club. Like Dave Chappelle rolls through, Kevin Hart. I mean, it is nice. And so, so that opened up the doors for a lot of amazing things. But once we're in there, we had the challenge of, uh, yeah. you know, having a children's ministry in a club. You want to tell them a little bit about that? Yeah. So kids ministry was our hardest thing uh, to figure out as well as just that whole first impressions experience. Yeah, because yeah. we were in a mall and where the club is like on the third floor. And so what, what, what happened is you park in the parking garage, which thank the Lord on Sundays is free. But then if you have kids, you get out of the parking lot or out of the, out of your car, you get in one elevator, you go up and then you have to get on an escalator. Then you have to go on another elevator to get up and we're not allowed to put any signs anywhere along the way. So we had to station people. Uh, so that, you, know, you just have those loopholes. You station people with their t-shirts or whatever, you know, so that you can like be hospitable and have a first impression that is really awesome. And so actually we had, um, we had a whole foyer that we were promised that we could have for our launch day. And though like three days before our launch, they took away the whole foyer experience. We had custom made portable church things ready for that experience. And so we just had to adjust. And then I'll just say this about the kids ministry. Um, the kids are not allowed to be near bars, which I appreciate. Um, but when you're the kids, when you're trying to build the kids ministry and you have such a limited space, you're just kind of trying to do whatever you can and so we thought in the we're from the midwest so we thought people aren't going to bring their kids to a church in a bar really but we talked to the pastors in this area and they said you guys aren't gonna have a problem with that people aren't people aren't worried about coming to a comedy club and bringing their kids just have a space for them think of them have them be a part of your church and so uh we were able to figure out some spaces uh, for the kids and we just turned it into a wonderland of kids world and it was so it's just really fun but challenging you so have to get creative you can't give up you know and just figure out how to have first impression experience and kids experience and thinking about what it's like to be a mom with a stroller going up all those floors just yeah. really putting yourself in the shoes right. of the people yeah. so that people are having awesome experiences on Sunday morning you know the church wasn't just built for those that go to a club it's for your family as yeah. well so it was uh, a challenging for church people with mindsets about clubs and, you know, working with the, the, the managers and stuff like that. But, I mean, there's one point where they're like, hey, we're going to kick you out like a month after we launched. And they said, we're going to renegotiate it. Like, because yeah. the person who gave us the deal to be in there for $500 a week, well, she just liked us and she quit a month later. She was on her way out. <laughs> So she just she's an angel of generosity for us. But then she left. But the managers are like, "Why did we make this deal with you? And why are our kids in the bar? Like, hey, why are they why are they drinking the eighteen year McCollin? Like, this isn't okay." And so they're like, they're saying we're gonna have to kick you out. And so we. They said kids are not allowed here. So we actually had to learn about Washington law, about wow. drug yes, and alcohol yes, law. Yes. We found every loophole. If you are called to plant a church in a hard place, you need the spirit of the loophole. Yes. And I'm just going to pray that over every single yes. year. The spirit of the loophole. Sweep over this room. And so, because uh, we 
we're yeah. looking up laws. We're figuring out how to make this thing happen. And we're like just praying all sorts of prayers when you're in a club. I mean, we, we would pray, Lord, on Saturday night, let people get so drunk that they pass out and wake up on Sunday morning in the presence of the Almighty Lord. Yes and amen. <laughs> no, we were really praying that. But you find loopholes. You get creative. You have to get aggressive. We bribe the managers every week to this day. We give them really amazing gift cards just saying thank you. We bring them on stage. We honor them. Well, let me tell you this. On our birthday, we brought up that same manager. He's on our stage for both services. We launched a second service, and he was crying throughout the whole service. He says it's his church. He feels like a church planner, and now he pays his staff to attend our services and let us pray all day. So come on, somebody. What out of this story, I want you guys to have a spirit of resilience. Yes. 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 Because you're going to meet the spirit of the Antichrist, and then you're going to meet people that you normally would never meet who are going to get saved. I can't tell you how many times a school security guard in whatever facility we were renting gave their life to Christ and started coming to our church. I can't even begin to tell you how many times. That happens. But there is a certain degree, the spirit of the loophole. <laughs> One of the things that church planners don't realize is there is a legal battle. There is a... That's right. Uh, there are relationships you have to build with politicians that I don't... I don't like that kind of stuff. I don't want to yeah. do that. I don't have to get to know the mayor and the city planners and all of that. And yet you do. Otherwise, you have to build a six-foot wall around your building. You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> Crazy stuff, and I know that sounds really, uh, um, again, that's a discouraging encouragement, but, like, I do believe that you will win every time our church is won. It didn't happen fast. Everything happened slower than we expected. Everything took five more times than we expected. But it did happen. And that's, it's like the old saying goes, people overestimate what they can do in two years. They underestimate what they can do in ten. And it's the same thing with getting facilities. They, they, under, they overestimate like, how specific they can get. And they underestimate how over time God gives you the ability to go like a laser into some of those areas. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, I I wanted to ask you, with in regards to that, you guys developed a relationship with your city manager, which I know what makes you guys so unique is that in a small city like you are in, it's it's harder in the sense that people are way more tribal. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't like you don't get people just randomly showing up to your church like. I remember we never got transfer growth. Every person in our entire church, we not only led to Christ, but we taught them how to play bass guitar so they could play in our... <laughs> they <laughs> became naturally ready to do ministry. Um, and yet, you guys have done such an amazing job. What are some of the things that you guys have been doing to even develop relationships yeah. with the city? Well, before we, talk, before we say that, I just want to say that, like, our city is very... Um, very uh, religious. It, 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 there's a high Catholic percentage in our city, okay. and what happens is, is you're kind of the you're kind of the, um, for lack of a better term, and hopefully no no one's offended by this. You're kind of the stepchild because it's like you don't, yeah. no one, everybody's just going, okay, that's great, but we have our thing over here, mm-hmm. and that was probably one of the hardest things is realizing that. There we have we have great churches in our in our in in our, the surrounding areas. Um, but 
there was a lack of that life-giving movement in our area, honestly. It was very traditional and very hard and very um, just entrenched in in religion. Mm -hmm. And that was, I would say that's what what has or had made it so difficult to to Mm -hmm. plant in that area, just because... You weren't reaching out to people that didn't know the Bible or didn't know who God was or didn't. It, you were reaching out to people that were like, yeah, yeah I've heard it already mm-hmm. and I don't need to hear it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so we we just we believed and we knew that God had called us to this area. We knew it. I mean, there was no doubt when we we're driving through the city and we're praying through the city. And it's like there's just no doubt you'd hit the border and it would just feel wrong. Wow. You'd hit the border of the next city and it would just feel wrong. And so we. Well, Cindy's going to share a story of something that happened just last, just a couple years ago here at at the art conference. Yeah, well, we came to the, and I want to say to everyone, come to everything you can. Art is so amazing. Every single thing that you can come to, come to it. Meetups, everything. I mean, we're always just like, oh, there's a meetup. Oh, let's go, let's go. Anything that's happening, I mean, we just, we're we're doing everything we can to go to everything because we want to learn. And uh, so if I can encourage everybody just come to everything that you can come to the sacrifice is worth it even in the beginning you feel like how how are we going to do that we're going to pay for that the gas the this the that just press through that and just come because i think that makes a big big difference and so one of the things is one of the seminars which john's sitting right here we came we went to his um actually his app thing and he talked all about like reaching out to your community and so when we were sitting there Mike and I were just like that is who we are mm-hmm. being in youth ministry for so long we always had the adults wanted to be in the youth ministry yeah. and they always just wanted to come with us and be a part of it and so when we started our church we were like that's really the flavor of who we are is we love students we love missions we love getting out in in our area and going to Africa and going to Mexico and all of these things and so we thought well that's how our church will be, you know, yeah. is we'll just continue that. And so we stepped right out and we, um, the first thing that we kind of signed up for was like doing like a turkey trot. And we thought, oh, we'll bring coffee. And the city was like, really? And so we, yeah, we went there in the morning, handed out coffee to a everybody. Turkey trot? A turkey it's trot. A, does everybody know what that is? <laughs> it's a, it's a yeah. race. <laughs> California thing, I guess. Okay, okay. It's a running race. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And then they have this thing called a scary fair, which is like a Halloween thing, which, you know, people are like, oh, gosh, you go to Halloween. Yes, we went to a Halloween thing. Set up an amazing booth. Had a contest. We won first place. People were all pumped. We gave out coffee. Gave out just kinds of of candy. Just loving the community. Loving all the people. People in our church. We did like a spring thing. And, um... Everybody went to that, and we're just loving on the community. And so the city manager, he called us and said, hey, will you guys meet with us? We go and meet with him, and he says, I just want you guys to know that there's no way that I would meet with any church in the city. And he said, "Um, but I meet with you guys because you guys have done what you said you were going to do. And he followed through, and he said, every time we've had a church volunteer and say they want to come, he said it's babysitting. And he goes, they don't follow through. They don't see. They don't do what they say they're going to do. They said they're going to show up. They said they're going to be volunteers. Wow. The people don't. They come with a bad attitude. And he goes, every time you guys have come, he said you guys have been amazing. Wow. And he said, so we, as a city of Bethlehem, are going to partner with you guys <laughs> and to see change. And so we were like, that's awesome. So they, um, we on serve day, we were like, what can we do? What can we do? And like they kept going, well, well, well. And 
so we ended up painting this whole park. Wow. People coming by and asking questions and how you guys are here? What are you guys doing? And then on the way here, which was crazy, the um, the um, a city guy called and he said. Uh, and so I called him back, and he, you know, people from the city are like, hello, you know, like, kind of like they're excited about their job. And so I'm like, hi, this is Cindy from Cambridge Church. And he said, well, we just got a grant to plant 100 trees in the city of Upland, and we were wondering if your church would like to do that. And we were like, yeah. And he said, we'll have arborists there, and we have money, we have money for food, and anything you guys wow. want to do. He said, we want you guys to be a part wow. of that and to do that. And so, yeah. Okay, so right there, right there, they won over the city. I want to yeah. encourage you, no matter how crazy or liberal your city is, yeah. you can win them over. Yeah. Yeah. Even some of those same politicians who are requiring us to build a six-foot wall around our building to protect the city from us. Sorry, I keep saying it like that. <laughs> Guess what? Some of those same politicians came and gave their lives to Christ at one of our future Christmas services. I mean, even, even in our sector of the city, I mean, it's, it's owned by the LGBTQIA community. I mean, like, half of our downtown is owned, by, and they're extremely wealthy. And, uh, you know, we even had a, one of the high-up politicians who's uh, big into LGBTQIA advocacy just actually call us up and say, hey, I want to partner with you guys, which is almost unheard of in our city. But just having a good reputation... Can, can open up doors, but it, and again, it, it always took longer than I thought, yeah. it took more work than I thought, but when it did happen, it was amazing. Yeah. Okay, so now... Well, and that's the, I think that that's the biggest thing, is that we called, we had called the city and said, we want to help, we want to help, and they're like, no, this is what they told us. No, we don't really need any volunteers. <laughs> You're like, a city doesn't <laughs> yeah, right. need any volunteers? Like, are you kidding me? And they, so we'd call again, call again, call again, and finally we got that little crack in the in the door wow. and we just shoved our foot through <laughs> it's like we're here now we're gonna we're gonna show up and have they been burned by a church or yes. something yes oh, yeah. lots of churches they've been burned by. yeah they've been burned by they well he didn't he was hinting towards basically every church mm. so and it, that's t- i mean for me that for my heart and what i believe and what i my vision for the church right. the body of christ that kills me you know what I mean? It just kills me. It's like I can't believe that sometimes this that kind of stuff happens. Yeah. Because that's and that's the coolest thing about sorry, that's the coolest thing about being a mobile church mm-hmm. is you have to go out. Yeah. yeah. You can't bring anybody in because there's no place right. to really bring them into right. except on Sunday morning. Right. So you have to go out and you have to serve in the community and you have to do that and you have to push through and you get and yeah, you get tired and you get sometimes you get frustrated and sometimes you're just like, what the heck? And sometimes it's just, you know, it can be just four people or five people or and we're but it's you just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep mm-hmm. doing it, persevere, push through, don't quit, all the things you've heard all these last two days. Mm-hmm. Just keep moving, keep going, keep going, and God's going to bless it. And it's like when you think about the faithfulness of the people in the Bible, it's like they stepped into it and God showed up. You know, they didn't sit back and go, okay, God, show up. They stepped in and it's like, and and God showed up. And that's what we need to do is, is, that's what you need to do. That's what you need to remember. And focus in and remember that if you've been called to launch a church, you've been called 
by God to launch a church. Don't don't second guess it. Don't and it, but you're gonna once you get into it, you're gonna second guess it and question it all the time. Yeah, right. But it's like, man, we need more churches. I I used to be in the mindset of saying, man, do we really need more churches? And and now it's like, yes, we need we need a hundred churches in every city because there's so many people that are going to hell, and we're not okay with that. Yeah, we're not okay with that. Well, and just to to land the plane right now. I think about just hearing your stories, it's really inspirational, and I want to just encourage you all to keep plugging away. And the same thing with all of you. There are these moments where I, I definitely second-guess planting in a hard-to-reach location. There, there, like we did surveys, we found out, you know, 15% were of our church was in or coming out of the LGBTQIA community. And we had to figure out how do we pastor that. We, we had to figure out how do we teach our, our people how to give? How do we teach, how do we uh, overcome these facility obstacles? And I started questioning, you know what? Maybe it would have been easier for us to not plant here. And yeah, it would have been. But you know what? I believe that that's also why our church has so many sovereign miracles. I believe that's why God has given us a $40, 60000000 million building out of nothing. And then another $20 million building for, for an astronomically cheap price. I mean, there's no way. Even in the one building, we found a painting that could easily be worth $3 million upstairs in the, in the building. Like, I think God is up there just smiling, saying, oh, would you be willing to take the narrow path? Would you be willing to make a little more sacrifices Sacrifice maybe a little bit of that acclaim, sacrifice maybe a little bit of that ego stroking that some pastors get into it for, and and really do what we know to do, and that's be the kingdom, share the good news. And so... Um, Let me just say one last thing, and then we'll hand it to Josh. Um, you know, one thing that helped me as a, as a wife and as a co-lead pastor with Peter as we were planting and going through the challenges of it, it's challenging for everyone, two thoughts. One, Peter in his sermons would always reference church history. And he would always tell stories of William Carey. And he'd always tell... So he'd always tell these stories of these intense missionaries from church history who moved to India when no one moved to India and, and suffered so much hardship... And I remember, you know, I always actually felt called to be in, in, in the mission field, and I was shocked that God had me stay in the United States. And so I remember as a church planter when things were so tough, and we literally had 80 people meet in our tiny little house every week all the time. Our offices were in our home for five years, and I could go on and on at the challenges that we had. And yet, I kept saying, oh my gosh, I'm a missionary in the United States, I'm in anthropology, I'm in Starbucks, I'm in Mall of America. You know what I mean? Like, if I was in another country, there'd be five families living in this house rather than just our five people. And, you know, so like, it's all was the, the, the song that says, you have assigned to me my portion and my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Yes. And I'm telling you, it yes. did not feel pleasant many times, but it's been said all the last two days. You preach it to yourself. And so I would just preach it to myself, Lord, I thank you that these are pleasant places. These are pleasant places. The boundary lines that you've given for me, even though it's really uncomfortable yes. and I'm really stretched right now, this is and that's the word for all of us. Amen. Pray us out. All right, let's pray. God, I just thank you for uh, those listening, even on the podcast, and those that are here in the room. I just thank you that you know exactly our current situation. You know the thoughts, the emotions. You know our calling. You know what you're asking us to do. And so I just pray that you would give us all the courage to continue to obey, 
to be faithful, to persevere, to not grow weary in giving up. And I ask for every person that is hearing this this message That's today, right. That's right. that you would send them friends, that you would give yeah. them that tribe of people to do life together. Yeah. So that when we go through the highs and lows, we're not doing it alone. That's right. We can encourage That's right. each other, we can cheer each other on. In Jesus' name. We thank you for ARC. We just thank you for the life-giving uh, blessing that it is. I thank you for the staff and how hard they work. And I just pray blessings on, on the 803 church plants that are now in existence. And we pray blessing and just continued multiplication on more to come. That's right. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.